to another episode of the Absolute Geek Podcast. I am Matt. I'm Kyle. And I'm Brian. That's right. Tonight with us, we have a special guest from um, what, it, what Tales from the Flip Side, right? Come on, you know it. You gotta give me. There you go. I just gotta say, I do. I will not be at the barbecue this weekend. I do not condone eating of your dog. Um, And to all the Flipside fans out there, you know, both of them that are listening, uh, hopefully that are listening, all two of you. um, I just want to know. I do not condone eating of your dog. Uh, I I do know the name of the show. I just had to give him a quick rib. From Tales from the Flipside, we have Brian with us. How's it going, Brian? It's going great, brother. Love to be here. Um, stoked. Like I said, I am a super fan. Or like you said, I am a super fan. <laughs> we appreciate you filling in for Jose. Why don't you go ahead and tell our audience who may have heard you a long, long time ago on our show um, a little bit about yourself and what you guys do over at Tales from the Flipside. Um, well, we just basically talk about uh, collecting uh, and, and flipping. Uh, the main goal of the show is... Uh, giving people ideas about how to, how to make a little money. Um, most of the show is about that, you know, how to flip stuff, uh, mainly comics, toys. Um, we're getting into some other things. We started talking about sports cards and, and garbage bill kids, just crazy stuff. It's, you know, a lot of that stuff that um, we enjoyed from our childhood. So uh, we do a little bit of the pop culture talking and, you know, but uh, I think you guys do a really good job of that. So we stay out of that lane. <laughs> move over let the big boys work <laughs> yeah not that it's you know not a lane that's already pretty much oversaturated as it is but you know what are you gonna do <laughs> but uh, yeah if you guys ever want to check it out it's uh cbsi presents tales from the flip side um matt and kyle know about cbsi it's a really cool uh community of people that talk about uh speculating on comics and um you know how to flip books and what what's hot and what's coming and uh it's become more of a community than anything so uh, it's just a cool place to uh hang out and talk about uh speculating on comic books and uh there's comicbookinvest.com is the website and um that's where you can check out uh you know most of the the uh, articles and stuff like that you know the best thing about cbsi this is one of my favorite parts is, you know, you go into a lot of these groups and you go into a lot of these people where you want to talk about comics with people. And a lot of people are dicks. Yeah. Now I have to say is being a part of this group is the best part is you ask a question. There's no sarcasm. There's no one being an asshole. There's people, you know, who genuinely love what they do. They love reading books. They love selling them. They love, and they love talking about it. And so, you know, even if it is a regurgitated topic, people still don't mind giving their input and and telling you and helping you and pushing you in a good direction. And I, you know what, and that's what the best part about it is, is, is there's no negativity. And I, yeah. and I, you know, and I really, I really enjoy that. 
it's really become that community thing. Um, you know, there's, there's different places for different things. Of course, you know, everywhere there's, you know, little rules and stuff to where, how, how you do things. But as Kyle said, you know, there's, there's places for you to, to, you know, just be a comic fan. Um, there's, there's the forum on the website. Um, there is a G plus community, uh, Google plus community. Um, and that's, that's a really cool place, uh, just to, you know, get a feel for CBSI and that's kind of where it started. And, um, then uh, Comic Book Invest was kind of created just to, it, it, the best way that I like to tell people about it is it almost feels like Wizard Magazine for the internet age. Um, a lot of people might know about the top 10. Uh, we kind of do a top 10, you know, um, uh, one of my uh, conspirators, co-conspirators on Tales from the Flipside is the guy that does the top 10 over there. And um, it feels like, uh, you know, reading a, a wizard magazine, uh, but uh, on the internet. So it's a, it's a cool place. If, if you haven't heard about it and you haven't had a chance to check it out, check it out. Awesome. It? Yeah, that is pretty dope. So, I mean, our, our, I mean, since you listen to the show, you know, our community knows a little bit about kind of the, the speculation as, as much as Kyle, who's more into it than I am kind of can lay it out. So, for someone who doesn't know what what all goes into the comic book speculation, can you kind of lay it out for them a little bit, and, and maybe if they're looking to get into it, where they should start and kind of. I think com I think comics has always had um, the group of people that are there just to read comics, um, but I think there was a big push back in the late '90s um, that happened in both the comic book industry and the sports card industry of these things are, can be worth money. Um, unfortunately back then it kind of fizzed and popped and it, it ruined, uh, the, the community, not the communities, but the, the speculation community for a while. But over the past, I'd say, I don't know, Kyle, what about five, six years now? The, yeah. the, the, the comic book speculation community has just gone crazy and you can make a lot of money, <clears throat> excuse me, a lot of money off of you know, doing a little bit of homework, seeing what's hot out there right now. You know, uh, for a while it was all about, okay, what's who, which character is going to show up in the next TV show? Which movie is coming out? Let's go find that first appearance, and 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 put it up on eBay, and make some money off of it. And that still happens, you know, to a large effect. But it's getting even deeper in that because it's bringing a lot of people back into the comic book community who haven't been there for a while, who now are going, Oh man, I got a lot of these cool comics that I might be worth some money. And then they're getting involved in the spec community on top of getting involved in the whole pop culture community. And it's, it's just become massive. So there's ways to make money out there. Anybody out there who says, Oh, you need to go to college to make money nowadays. You need to go do this. Listen, the internet's a beautiful place. You get, you get yourself 10 bucks and a, a phone and you can make some money. Go to a Goodwill, do some research, flip a cute few items, comic books, toys, you know, uh, T-shirts, whatever. There's ways to make money out there. And comic books is a great way to do it right now. So that's kind of what the speculation community is about. Speculating on which is the next hot book, which is the next hot character. And I mean, there's some books. Uh, I think Kyle's talked about it a lot on this show and, and, and you know the whole Thanos saga uh, with uh, Ghost uh, Ghost Rider, Space Ghost Rider, you know, and and that uh, Raphael Arbuquerque book. That book was 
you know, came out and it was a one in 25 variant that was, you know, 10, 20 bucks when it first came out. And within two weeks, people specked on it being a big character and a first appearance. And it turned into, I mean, I bought mine for 10 for 30 bucks and I sold it for $800 two weeks later. So Jesus. Yeah, that's, that's yeah, that's just a, and, 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 you know, I felt like an idiot because I remember telling Kyle, man, if I would have held on that books two two more weeks, I could have sold it for 1500. Yeah. But, but part of the spec market too, is sometimes you hold on and we've both learned this from selling books is, you know, we'll wait two more weeks, but sometimes that two more weeks, too long. it makes it a, from a, you know, a $50 book to an $18 book. Yeah. Rule one of the speculators game is to always be cool with whatever money you make. You buy a book for five, you sell it for 10, you're in the positive, right? So it's in me and Kyle kind of started this in, in the beginning. Um, we, we had a little thing going where we were just speculating on books to make money to buy other books. It w- wasn't a thing about making money to, you know, quit your job or anything like that. It was just to be able to pay for your, you know, Wednesday comics. And it, it you can do really well at it if you stick to it. Um, you can also make some mistakes, but that's how you learn along the way. It's, and you know, it, it's, it's a hard thing because, you, you know, you're, it's like any side hustle type of thing you do. You, I mean, it's work. You yes. know, nothing, very rarely does anything fall in your lap. You got it. I mean, you got to really, you got to, I, you know, we would be up at, you know, five o'clock in the morning so we could hit yard sales. And so we can be at, you know, at places that we knew were selling books. And I mean, it's, you know, you got to be at your local, you know, that hot book is coming out on Wednesday, you know, uh, like the new hot book last week that came out, it was the, uh, Teen Titans annual. Yeah, you know, first appearance of Crush, right? Yep, that was that's a, you know, I I even got off early on Wednesday, and I was like, oh man, I'm finally I'm gonna be there at eleven o'clock. You know, the, the comic book store opens at nine. I'm I bought the reader copy that that you got to, uh, you know, that that you can thumb through before you decide to buy it. The one that's not bagged and boarded. That was the last one, and I was there two hours after it opened. It's very hard thing to do nowadays because there's so many people doing it, but. The cool thing about, you know, you can find these places like CBSI that will teach you the little ins and outs. And, hey, you know, it's it's like Kyle was saying, a lot of us you know have families and we have a nine to five job. And this is kind of what we do, you know, to have fun. So it's very hard to be that person that Wednesday Warriors every Wednesday, the first in line that's getting your books, that knows about everything. But the, you can you can make positive gains along the way and, and cool little things. And I tell you what, I've I've gone from being um, that that speculator that was just in on everything to um, you know we could talk about this some other time or or, or later on. But I, I'm almost getting to the point where I'm trying to get out of the game as much as possible and just keep it to a certain few things because the game has gotten really really um deep and and it's a it's a big hustle nowadays and there's a lot of people making money and when i say a lot of people i mean big comic uh, companies like marvel and dc this whole you know um variant uh, uh special internet store variants and store variants that is just it's in my opinion it's destroying the market right now um and we'll, we'll look at the batman 50 that's coming out next there week. we go there we go there is going to be, I mean, I don't know, you know, scrolling through, you know, Facebook and everywhere that you look, you know, emails. I'm getting, I'm getting emails from people that I don't, I don't even know how they got my email to, uh, 
to buy their store exclusives. I mean, there's there's hundreds of them. I don't know how many feeds I've seen of, you know, that ev- everybody has a store variant now. Well, there's a fine the line. There's a fine line that's being played right now with the comic, um, these big comic companies like Marvel and DC and the speculators market and the internet. Um, and what it is, is, you know, a lot of the speculation market is played using uh, variants and back, you know, I've, I've had this conversation with Matt, you know, long, you know, many moons ago about variants. And I, I know he, he wasn't a fan of variants when they first came out. Right, Matt? I mean, that was, that was one of the things that used to drive you nuts uh, is the whole variant market. Yeah. And, and, and what's going on now is even worse. I mean, it's, it's variants on steroids and what's happening is because the speculator market realized all oh, variants are, are you could buy a variant for 20 bucks and sell it sometimes for, like I said, 800 bucks the next week. But what, so what they figured out is, okay, these companies, Marvel and DC are letting us buy store variants. So I can say I'm an internet store and I can contact Marvel and pay $10,000 to get my store variant. They give me a list of artists to choose from. I pick my artist. My artist does my store variant, puts my name on it, and I sell my store variant. Well, here's the thing that these companies did is they said, okay, store variants will be included in the ratio variants. So these internet store variants, some of, the, some of these guys aren't that all you know, uh, ethical. And they looked at it and they went, okay, we're going to tell everybody that our store variant is only 500 copies and that's it. Well, in order to get a store variant, you have to buy 3,000 copies through Marvel. So not only are they saying they have more than they have, they're also using those 3,000 copies to get the ratio variants. And now these ratio variants, who are 1 in 25, you would think that they're rare. Well, if they're printing you know, a million copies of Spider-Man 800, how many ratio variants are out there? You know, there's a lot of ratio variants out there. One in 25 and one in 50 isn't very rare anymore. Nope. So you, yeah, so this is the kind of thing that happens. And I'm really worried myself that it's going to, same thing that's going to happen um, with the whole, you know, 90s, you know, death of Superman and, and printing, you know, a million copies of X-Men 1 and Spider-Man 1 and, you know, how it ruined comics back in the late 90s, early 90s. I think that uh, we're heading that direction and I really don't want to see it because that kind of that that worries me because that's what got me out of comics and got me out of collecting. And I hope we're not seeing that because part of me is the, the majority of my collecting is speculating in some way. You know, I, I will always buy my key books that I like to collect, but a lot of the stuff that I enjoy looking at and, and it's it's like a treasure hunt. You know, you go out there and you buy these books and you can flip them for a quick buck. And it's always fun to search for that deep treasure, but they're, they're ruining it. So now what do you say to someone who comes to you on the opposite side and says, I think, and I feel like the speculation market is hurting the comic book industry from a standpoint of the, the local, just small everyday collector who has no intention of selling them because, you know, you got the speculation game going now. And then now, you're seeing more and more comic shop owners getting into this and they're more and more aware of, of what's going on. So now, you know, you have this book coming out and now they want to sell it for 
the hot eBay price or the hot going price of it now. So that kind of screws over the little guy who's just the everyday, maybe regular reader who wants to buy that book for cover price. And then you have the shop owner going, Oh, well, no, this book's going for this amount on eBay. So this is what we're charging for it. I say, you're right. I say that's, and that's the, the, the non, the unethical people out there. I'm talking about You're hundred percent right, Matt. And that's one of the reasons why I feel it's a fine line that, that we're walking these days in the speculator game. And, I really think that um, you have to kind of weed those type of peoples out of your, your, your dollar says a lot and not just your dollar, you know, um, it's very easy to get angry at these types of unethical people and then go and bitch and complain and on their sites and da da da. Well, unfortunately you bitching and complaining on their sites helps them more than you just not doing anything. And then you go uh, and what you should do is just go to a, a, a seller that is, is ethical and pump him up. You know what I'm saying? So that's, that's one thing. But, but the other thing is that you're hundred percent right, Matt, there's, there's a fine line there. That's being, you got to tread very carefully on. And, and I mean, and that's what drives me crazy about variants or what did for a while. It's like you guys, you got people out there like J Scott Campbell, for instance, he, he doesn't really do interiors for books. He does covers and you get a cover from him and his covers are way more expensive or and and trash. Now, right. And now you have the specialty <laughs> order them through his website. Yeah. That's what I mean. It's, it's becoming very fine. You got to tread carefully, man. And these artists need to realize that um, there's very few artists nowadays that, and it, rightfully so. I understand where they're coming from. For the longest time, they weren't making the money that, you know, were being made off of them. They felt like they should be getting some of that money. So I understand where some of these artists like Audie Gronoff and J. Scott Campbell are creating their own quote-unquote stores so they can do their own store variants, right? And I understand that. I, to me, I think that's how it should have always been. Um, but unfortunately you know this is where we as the consumer and we as the people in the community need to use our dollars and use our voice um, to say what we agree with and what we don't agree with and it's very important for people out there to go this is what's going on and this is what i think now you know i hate to say it but it can get very hardcore and any community where you've got certain communities going, you know, at each other. That's the dark side of uh, the internet sometimes is, you know, you always got somebody that's going to, that's causing trouble in one community. That's going to, you know, Hey, sorry, we can, you're causing too much trouble. We got to get rid of you. They're going to go start their own community and their whole idea is to bash, you know, the community that kicked them out. Yeah. His name is Mike Wheeler. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So that's a perfect example. And, you know, those are the type of people that instead of, I think you guys did a really good thing with him. I think that you guys put him on the spotlight, the, the small spotlight, spotlight that you wanted to put him on just to show everybody what a, you know, unethical uh, person he is. And then you, you killed it because it's much better just to not give him any of that spotlight anymore. Let him drown himself. And that's exactly what you guys did. So there's ways to deal with those people. There's also ways to deal with, unfortunately, uh, there's ways to deal with those people like you're talking about, these comic book stores that are jumping on eBay every time a book comes out. Now, here's the problem with that. And Kyle um, knows this very well um, because we both had the same uh, local comic shop and our local owner decided to stop selling weekly books. 
because he just wasn't making money off him. And Diamond was making a ton of money off of him, and he wasn't making money off of, you know, the eight to ten thousand dollars a month he was spending at Diamond or a week, I think it is, if, if I if I remember correctly. Yeah, it was it was a large amount, but I I, I think. I have my speculations on that that whole situation. I think there's more to that story than than what's come out. I think there is. I think there's there is. always You're more right. to it. Yes, there's always yes. more to it. There's always two sides of the story or whatever. But but I think with having a comic book shop, having a great backstock is great and stuff. But I think I think that's that's the good thing of a comic book shop is is having those new issues. That's what brings that's what brings people in. I think what these new owners are going to have to do is they're going to have to start playing more towards a box holder than anything else because what kills them is that they order, you know, the box holder books and then they order, you know, 20, 30 books, even up to 50 books on top of that just to set out. And sometimes not only will you not sell all your box holder books right away, but you won't sell but 5% of the books you put out on, you know, as non-box holder books. So as long as they're just saying, hey, we're just going to fill our box holder things now and if you want new weekly books, you're going to have to open up a box. And for most stores nowadays, it doesn't cost anything to open a box. So you can't say, well, I don't want to pay the money to open a box. And, and that's going to have to be the, you know, you're going to have to give and take. And as a, as a comic buyer and a comic store owner, you're going to have to play down the middle. And unfortunately, there's always going to be those people that are going to want to be an ass about it. So it's but tough man that's when the shady side of things come in though because you have these store owners filling their boxes but they want these variants so they're filling orders to get these high dollar variants then they're not selling them to the customer that walks in the door they're selling them on they go right on ebay to people who want to who are going to pay way more than they should yeah and that's why we need to there's a fine line that is being tread on and not only do the comic store owners, the comic buyers, and the comic pub, you know, publication company, you know, Marvel and, and DC and Image, they need to realize and, and see what's going on out there because it's becoming a major issue. And, um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a bummer. I don't like what I see happening. And I, I see, like, these Facebook auction groups, I think, are kind of starting to be have more to it should be at more at blame too, because you have people out there doing these auctions on Facebook and you, you're watching people buy trash for two, three, four hundred $400. And you're like, dude, that's like a $10 book. You look on eBay and it's on there for $10 book, but these dudes are buying them up for mad, crazy amounts of money. And then you have Joe Schmo who stumbles in there. He was like, Oh, I've got that book. And then he tries to sell it for that amount of money. And it's just like, it, it creates some like weird inflation on, on straight garbage that shouldn't be sold for, that amount of money that's why i think that these communities like cbsi and some of the other communities out there it's important for the buyer to educate themselves and there's a lot of people who are jumping back into this collecting game on facebook who maybe had not seen it any other places just because they didn't search it out and they just you know somebody appears in their timeline going hey i got this comic book auction they go hell yeah i used to collect comic books i'm gonna jump in and they they aren't you know, it's kind of like uh, calling, you know, retirees and going, hey, I've, I've got a gold mine in Botswana, you know, but uh, in order to get it, you got to give me $500,000 and uh, then I'll give you the $2 million that I can pull out of there. You know what I mean? It's like you got to you got to educate yourself. And a lot I, of people I, aren't doing that. I've got two theories on the comic book auctions. Like 
I like them. I enjoy them. I enjoy the live comic book auctions. I, I buy a lot of books off of them. But on the same note, I know where to stop. I know what I'm willing to pay for something. I know what things are worth. So that's you know I, I mean I'm more of the one that educated. I think what a lot I think there's I think it comes comes down to two things. One, like you guys were saying, I think it's the the person coming back in, and oh you know especially with uh, older books. Oh man, I remember when I had that. I want that back. Nostalgia. And yep. I think that's a lot of it. And I think a lot of it also is okay. You know when you're when you're auctioning something and you're bidding on something. Um, and it's live and I, I think you get this rush and I think you're like, and you, you know, you can get it. It's right there. You have the potential to own it. You don't have to look anymore. It's there. And I, so I think people, what they do is they, they overbid it because they know they can have that one right now. You know what I mean? And they don't have to do any more searching. It's there. They know they can get it. Yep. And, I, and I think you get caught up in that. Oh, oh, I can finally just have it. So you're willing to, you you just keep shilling out that you know that one and that two and that four dollar bid, and then you're like, and then you get so far where you're just like, fuck, you know, now I'm not gonna get it. And I think, and I think that's just, I think that's just what people do. I think those I think those are the scenarios that come up. It's always important to be an educated collector in whatever you're collecting. Don't waste your money. And you know, and sometimes I wouldn't say spend two hundred dollars on a ten dollar book, but if you really want the book. It's okay if you really want the book for your collection. You've really wanted it, and it's that ten dollars book. You know it's ten dollars, and you spend thirteen on it. Whatever, you wanted it. It was there. You, you know, I don't. You know, I don't think it's a big deal spending a buck or two more on something if you really want it, and it's worth it. But now you have them becoming online conmen though, because there's times, and I'm not going to name any names, where you and I watch. You know, you'll invite me to a, a comic book auction, and we're sitting here and like. What what is going on? Like, why are you paying this so much money for this fucking book? I don't think they're con men as much as the people are just, you know. And and, and it always boils back down to, it's only worth what you're going to pay for it. So if you want to, and you know, and it's human nature. You know, it's ten dollars, but this guy's willing to give you a hundred. It's hard to I, say no to it, and I understand. You know what I mean? I say common in the fact that you have you have these people that are doing the streams that'll. If it'll they'll just quit if the book doesn't sell for what they want they get pissed off and they shut the stream down or if you try to if you try to stop somebody or say hey dude what are you doing you know you try to give them that little advice they get pissed off and you get banned or or whatever like it's it's like if you try to like like dude like you're gonna blow two hundred dollars on this book that you can go buy you know right now for three dollars on ebay i understand you're taking a sale away from but you're also kind of protecting someone from being stupid yeah, the way you spend your money is a, a lot says a lot about not only you, but it's also you hold a lot of power in that dollar. So, you know, educate yourself, educate yourself on, you know, if you're spending a lot of money, it's no matter what you're spending that money on, you need to know what you're buying and who you're buying it from, no matter what it is. So um, I think that's why it's always safe to do a little bit of, uh, you know, education and the, the internet is an amazing place you know you can find something out in less than five minutes and most comic auctions you know take 10 minutes so do a little you know, research and you know when i have the comic book auctions up too like you know i don't know every price of every book out there you know that that's impossible what i do with these comic auctions is i watch it on my phone and i have my computer up and 
I I have like eBay and stuff up, and I'll and I and I'll be putting in prices and seeing what they're going for, and you know, and and that's how I'm also making up to the second decisions on books I want to spend. You know, the you know other thing. Mean? The other thing is that something that we forget is, you know, living in a big city like we do, uh, there's a lot of people out there that, that don't live anywhere near a comic book store. And maybe the only place they're buying their books is online. I'm not saying that's right for them to, to spend, you know, waste their money or to be taken advantage of. But I think that's also a lot of the things with these comic book auctions is there's a lot of people out there that maybe don't know there's a comic book store on the corner, you know, two miles from them, or there isn't a comic book store on any corner around them. Yeah. So. I mean, and a lot of these comic auctions, you, you see people and they're, they are, they are two hours away from their local comic book shop. And, you know, a four hour round trip is a long, I mean, that's a lot of time. That's a Especially lot of time for, for every Wednesday. Yeah. And a lot of time for uh, gas, a lot of personal time. What's your time worth? So, if you're going to buy that $10 book for $20, it's probably cheaper than the four hours you spent in your car plus your gas, plus your personal time. You know, you're, wouldn't you just your, look at going to like, you know, somewhere like, um, God, what's the comic shop in New York? Um, Midtown. Midtown. Wouldn't you just look at order like from Midtown or I don't know how many times a company like that? I don't know how many times I've gone on Midtown and the book's been sold out. Yeah. I think Midtown and a lot of those comic shops – are selling newer stuff and these a lot of these comic auctions on facebook are selling old school you know like uh, silver and bronze stuff exactly exactly and people hey I'll, I'll even admit it man bronze has become the new silver and silver has become the new gold so golden age books are too expensive right now to buy so people have jumped on the next big thing and it's hard to find some of those bronze age books and silver age books and also here's the other thing there's no denying that comic books have become a major investment. Um, and uh, uh, most of them, if you know what you're doing, if you can go out and find a book that there's, it's, it's pretty rare and it's rare in a certain grade and you can, you know, get it for a decent price and you look at, do a little bit of uh, uh, education on, on what that books, you know, can go look at GPA and there's, there's websites that say, how much books have sold for in the past and they're constantly gaining in value. Um, I mean, shoot, you look at uh, amazing fantasy 15, that book is ridiculous. The amount of money it sells for in, in like a, a 1.0 grade, that's like, you know, thousands of dollars. So it, there is money to be made here. I guess that's kind of, um, that's what I enjoy about it, but it's always, Oh, there's another dog add to the Barbie. Um, <laughs> Short <-term laughs> uh, there's always money to be made. It's just very good to use places like podcasts and the internet groups and uh, uh, these places that are available to you to, to educate yourself. And also here's what is what really grabbed me to CBSI um, and got me to, you know, be part of the, the, uh, the tales from the flip side podcast is, these guys became my friends. I may have never met them face to face, but these guys have become, you know, good friends. And, and you've create these, uh, it, it, within these communities, you create these relationships with people, um, that you never would before. And, you, you know, I'll go out to my mailbox every once in a while and there'll be a book there that, you know, one of these guys said, Hey, I found this and here it is. I know you collect the watcher. So here's a cool book. It's yours. Or, you know, um, 
I've told the story before and I may have told it on this show before. Um, you guys know about it. Uh, when I first joined CBSI, my brother got uh, diagnosed with bone cancer and uh, it was Chris, the, it was Christmas uh, day, the, like a week before he had gotten diagnosed. And Christmas day, I was supposed to send out a bunch of books um, to a buddy within CBSI. Um, actually, the guy who started CBSI, uh, Trey Kenyon, I said, was supposed to send out a book, bunch of books to him. And he said, and, and it was like a week before I was supposed to send out these books. And he said, hey, I hadn't got your books. I just want to make sure everything's okay. And this was like two days before Christmas. And I said, nah, man, I've been having some family issues. Uh, I'll be sure to get those books to you soon. And he goes, well, is everything okay? And I said, well, you know, uh, and I let him know what the skin he was and what was going on. He said, hey, what can I do? Is there something we can do? And I said, no, I appreciate it, man. Uh, you know, but we're just going to, you know, try to muscle through it. And he said, like an hour later, he contacts me and he says, hey, we're going to hold a raffle and we're going to do it uh, tomorrow. And all the proceeds we want to give to you to help your brother. And my brother had a GoFundMe page. They held a raffle. Um, within two days, there was, you know, two grand in my brother's account from CBSI. So that's a perfect example of you find the right community, no matter what it is. You know, Facebook communities, any type of community, if it's the right place, they call them communities for a reason. And it's not just about, you know, making money off of comic books. You create relationships. So. Absolutely. And I mean, that's why I mean, I advocate for this. And I think all three of us advocate for this community as hard as we do is because we're not this community is pretty much accepting of everyone. Yeah, you might get the occasional oh, you're a poser or filthy casual or whatever. But I, I think that you know, I, I partake in a lot of different communities like the video game community and online gaming or PC gaming and all that. I, I, I feel like this is the least volatile community out there where we kind of accept everybody. You're hundred percent right. We've always got, you know, you always see people holding auctions and trying to help everyone out. And I think that's what makes this community um, so great. I just want to put out there, if you guys are watching live, you can leave comments in the, the, the chat and I can see them. You don't have to email them. Um, I got a con I got an email here from a Glenn that says, "Hey, great show so far, guys. This is a really interesting topic. I'm glad I tuned in. First time listener. I have a question for Brian. You're talking about um, the speculation market. I want to know what your opinions are on maybe holding on a book for a book to see if it comes around on the back end. It seems like I have a um, first appearance of Spider Gwen that was dropping in price. I've held on to it, and now it seems to be coming back up. Just curious about your thoughts." Thanks for taking the time, guys. Keep up the great work. I think that is a perfect example of the speculation game. And I know, uh, Matt, I know that that this is a book that you've owned. I know, Kyle, this is a book you've owned. And uh, I, I own still it. own that book. Yeah, and I, I still, still own it, too. I think we all still own it. And I think we all still own it, maybe for the same reason that I'm about to talk about. And this is a perfect example, Glenn, of the speculation market. That book came out, and it was hot right off the bat. Um, I think that book was probably like a $40 book, like a week after it came out. Um, and it went as high as I want to say 80 bucks maybe. Um, and then it started to fall off. Um, as a matter of fact, that book also had a variant, uh, to it. Um, it was like a one in 50, I believe. I can't remember the, the ratio, but it was a, um, a variant one in 50. Yeah. Yeah. And so, that variant is now a, whew, I want to say it's like a $3,000 book. And 
the the Spider Gwen book itself is selling for like almost two hundred dollars raw. Does that sound right? Um, last time I checked, that's about what it was. Yeah, it was. It, it had gotten you know, and that's what that's the crazy thing about announcements are, is, you know, and that's what's cool about some of these groups is you kind of see what everybody's kind of muttering about and, and you know and talking about, you know, and I'm sure Brian's the same way, but I probably have a short box full of books that I've bought in hopes that, you know, because of mutterings and, and talkings and stuff that one day I hope to be able, you know, I have four or five or six of the books and they're just sitting in a short box. That's, it's kind of like my, my speculation box. And I just, yeah. I just throw stuff in there that I hope one day that turns around and I get to sell it. And that's, and, the, and I, you know, and more, more times than not, those books kind of just sit there. But I have a, I have, you know, I mean, I have a box that I'm just holding on the stuff, waiting for it to, you know, to come back and, or, or to just to explode at one time, hoping that that's what happens with it. Well, that Spider Gwen book is um, something that a lot of speculators have been talking about for a while. And it, they talk about it because it'll get hot and it'll cool down. It'll get hot and cool down. The speculation market is a crazy game. And one of the things that I've learned is, Every speculator does it different. Um, I've become, I went from being somebody who jumped on every new story about what character is going to be in the new Flash TV show and go pick, go search for that book or, you know, whatever you can. And that's a tough game to play um, for me. Uh, for other people, it's, it's very easy and it makes a lot of money. But if you can pick up on those first appearances, those, those go out and find, you know, when that Spider Gwen book had cooled off, Every single one of us right now in, on this podcast should have been buying those up, you know, when we could find them for, for cheap. Now, it's easy to say that, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. but if I were Glenn, I would take that book. I would look at its condition. If the condition is 9.6, 9.8 worthy, I'd send it off, get graded, and I'd sell it the next, the day after I get it graded. And pay um, the, if you're really going to sell, if you're really going to send something off to get it graded, I would pay the extra fee to get it back as fast as you can get it back. CGC fast pass right now. Um, I want to say it's maybe like uh, three weeks wait time. And that's pretty damn good. How much is the two day turnaround? one? is it? Uh, I can't remember what the two day turnaround cost is, but I mean, two weeks to wait for a graded book is absolutely amazing. And that's what CGC was running with for a while. I steer clear of CBCS right now. I've had you know some issues with CBCS. I know they're doing a move, and um, there's some weird things going on with them. They're a great company. I just I think the move. They're if I'm not mistaken, Kyle, they're moving to Houston. Does that sound right? From Florida to Houston, Dallas, Houston, somewhere yeah. in Texas, like that. Yeah. And I know they're in the middle of that move, and I've had a little bit of issues. That's just personal, so I steer clear of them. Uh, but they're not a bad company. Uh, definitely don't go anywhere near PGX. But uh, CGC is always a good place, and you can go on their site. You can look up um, their wait time for their different tiers, and uh, it's very easy to do. And um, there's nothing better than getting a box of freshly graded books in the mail. Because I've actually, I've actually been thinking about doing that with my uh, Edge of Spider-Verse 2 book. Edge of Spider-Verse 2, that first Spider-Gwen. And here's another – I'll give a little spec – you know, on that book, uh, for you, Glenn, take a good look at it. Um, there was some errors that came out with that book. 
if you look at the background of that book, if, if there was two color variants that came out for that first print, there's one where it's dark, dark black in the background. And then the normal version is almost like a maroonish purplish black. If you have that dark, dark black background, you got yourself a winner there. And I would put that book up as fast as possible. I might even sell it raw, um, depending on, you know, how I'm much look, money you're willing to make. I'm going to look at mine now. Yeah. So, so Edge of Spider-Verse 2, that uh, land variant, it's a 1 in 25 variant. There's one up on eBay right now, 9.6. It is currently sitting at $1,900 with two days <sighs> left. Yeah. Crazy. So, that's I mean, crazy. that's unbelievable for a comic book yet alone a comic book that is is pretty new. So play that game and, and if you play it right you can you can make some good money to buy on a on a key a personal grail. Uh, I think that's what me and Kyle both do. Um, I've done really well selling some books and buying some personal grails. I you know as you guys know I was lucky enough to pick up a Walking Dead 1 and uh, and a, a Walking Dead full run. You know thanks Kyle. <laughs> um th thanks josh garcia i want to say i hope you enjoy those festivals um so you know it's it's always fun to sell books to buy books um i wouldn't recommend anybody quitting their job to go sell comics right off the bat um it can be done but uh there's always ways to make money out there guys and i think that's one book that really drives the market too is is walking dead number one and how that book exploded and everyone's everyone's looking for that next you know amazing fantasy 15 detective number one action comics number one everyone's looking for that next like big book and i think walking dead number one kind of re-sparked that and now people are just buying like crazy off speculation hoping that they're going to hit that home run well i think that is something that's very interesting to talk about with you guys because that's one of the things i listen to you guys about is um i'm not a fan of the show uh i I'm not a fan of the show one bit, never have. I kind of watched it for a little bit and just got sick of it. Um, you guys uh, have become my news for that show. Um, I enjoy you guys talking, hearing you guys talk about it. Um, but I did in enjoy the comic much more than the show. Now, I fell on all, I've fallen off lately on reading the book. So um, it's fun when you guys do your comic reviews every once in a while and you review Walking Dead and I can hear what's going on. But that's a perfect example of the speculation game. I mean, you guys talked about with Rick and Maggie getting ready to leave the show. And what is that going to do to that the sale of those books? Now, if you look at what's going on right now, a lot of people feel like they need to get out of that market and they're selling some of their books. In my opinion, I think it's a great time to pick up Walking Dead Keys. Now, if you want a full run and that's what, what you want for your personal collection, um, Kyle will, will tell you that there's nothing better than having a really clean and crisp Walking Dead full run um, if you're a Walking Dead fan. But I, I would stay away from non-key issues right now un unless you want it for your personal, you know, if Walking Dead's your personal grail book. But... If, if I, you know, one piece of advice about Walking Dead speculation, I'd pick up keys right now. One thing that blew me away um, the other day is uh, I wanted to tell Kyle about this. So it's a perfect opportunity. The Walking Dead 100 um, Ruby uh, Lucille variant. What do they call that book, Kyle? That, uh, that book that was only... The Red Foil one? Yeah, the Red Foil one. That book was just out of most people's price range for the longest time. I think it was like a $1,200 book no matter what. 
Um, and some, for some reason, with the news of the show, that's one of the books that's taken a hit, and people are buying that book for two hundred and fifty to five hundred bucks. For for me, if you have that type of money to spend on a comic book, I think that would be a great book to buy, um, especially because most of them are graded. Uh, that's a that's a rare book. There's always something to be said about a book that's really rare. Not just says that it's rare. Really that was, rare. That book was given only to comic book stores. Yes, and there's only so many of them printed. Um, rarity is king in in the speculation market, uh, in my opinion, because uh, really rare books will always hold value. Now, I'm not saying that it'll always hold a thousand dollars because obviously that one hasn't, but that is the type of book that if you can get it for cheap and put it away, you know, just like edge of spider verse two, if you would have gotten 20 books for, you know, bought in 20 copies of that for $10 a piece and put those away, just specking on it. You know, like Kyle says, every good speculator has a, a long box full of books that they want to sit on. It's called the long hold. And, uh, I've got a couple of long boxes full of books that where I'll, you know, if I can go, my favorite thing is to go digging in dollar boxes and I'll find a stack of, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy 20 and 21, which is like the first appearance of the symbiote planet. And I know that they're going to start building on that whole symbiote thing in the movie first. I'm, I picked up a stack of like 20 of those for like 20 bucks and I'm putting those in the long hold box. So if there's books that you can put in the long hold box that I don't think that it's, it's a bad thing to take a chance on certain books like that. And Walking Dead Keys is one to take a chance on. If you can Keep an eye on them. Do a little research, and pick them up for cheap. Yeah, pick them up because I, I mean, like you know, I have them, and I still look like I found one. You know, this weekend where a guy is selling a first appearance of Michonne. Great book. Yeah, and it great book, great cover, and it, it'll it'll all you know it'll always be, and that'll always be a decent priced key to have. I mean, you know. And, you know, I, you know, I got in on it when, when the bidding was, you know, at like $60. And what did so, what, what it end at, if you don't mind it, my asking? It hasn't ended yet. I'm still. Uh, maybe we shouldn't talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> That's another thing that I, you know, being a, a speculator, I always, you know, it's another fine line to walk. Do you talk about the, the spec books that you don't own yet? Right. I, I'm really, I don't care. I, I like to talk about any hot spec that I know about. I'll, I'll, I usually talk about it. Um, but, uh, you know, that's another one of those weird things that people talk about. Oh, I have an issue with somebody. They call it the pump and dump. You know, uh, you're just talking about a book because you own it. Or are you not talking about a book because you don't own it? So it's a it's a fun little playground to play in. Um, I don't mind. T- like, you know, I don't mind talking about stuff I think will be high because, you know, what if I'm, I'm not the you know, the end all be all if it's going to be so, you know, it's your decision if you listen to me or not. Yeah. yeah. Like and, everybody, and, like everybody who didn't pick up the, the Lemire Gideon falls book. It yeah. Just, it just got announced. I think what did it come out two weeks ago? It's now a hundred dollar book. Yep. hundred dollar book raw, if I'm not mistaken. And that's yeah. another key issue. If, if, if you can sell a book for a nice chunk of change for raw and not graded, that's a big deal. That, that's a, that's a real big deal. We well, yeah, are not investing that extra money. Or time and yeah. time is a major issue when it comes to the spec game. Well, I think the other thing to keep in mind too, especially with The Walking Dead, and when it comes to number one, is there's specific books that are sell for this big money. There's specific covers 
to sell for this big money because there's so many Walking Dead number one reprints out there. And like San Diego has a new variant every year, it feels like. And I know um, part of their anniversary image is releasing um, like kind of like DC did a few years ago with the the black um, cellophane books where you had to open them to find out what cover they were and you could get a sketch cover, a black and white cover or a color cover. They're doing that with key issues of The Walking Dead. So it's like number one and the first number two, the first appearance of Michonne. That's cool. So they're doing all that with that. So it, you got to keep in mind that also that it's not just because you have a Walking Dead number one, you need to make sure it's it's the right number one and it's not just some off off cover. There's there's something that uh, I like to call the perfect storm with uh, spec books, and um, it was kind of brought up earlier, and that is key appearances, first appearances, and then a good cover and a good artist or writer, and you can knock it out the park. And I think Walking Dead number one has become that perfect storm book because it has the ultimate spec thing, and that's rarity. I mean, I think there's only, what, 7,000? printed yeah like 7500 so so that's huge to begin with the second thing is tony moore has become an outstanding artist and and a lot of people's favorite artists and um you know he only did a few of those walking dead you know covers so that's a walking dead cover i think he only did what the first 10 or 15 is that right kyle yeah so that that much i thought it was only like the first four no Uh, like he did the michonne cover oh yeah he stopped. So what it was? What Adlard st- started at like seven. Yeah. He started doing the interiors, but Moore kept doing the Co- art, the covers. I think. I think wow, actually. Okay. I think eight. I think the first appearance was shown was his last cover. So and here's the other thing. Like, uh, you know, they did that that TV show. Um, this is kind of going into your guys' territory. They did that uh, the the TV show Robert Kirkman have. A, what was the name of that TV show? The comic book history. The history, history of comics. comics. There you go. And and one of the things that I, I don't know if they talked about that, I really was hoping they were going to talk about it. I didn't think they would, is the whole history between Berkman and Tony Moore. And for peeps, for big fans out there that don't realize, those two guys came up together. They were best friends. They started a really small comic book company called uh, Funkatron. And they had a, a really, their first comic book was a, was one of my all-time favorite comic books. And it's a book called Battle Pope. And they, they were just, you know, really good friends. And then they hit, hit it out the ballpark with Walking Dead. But nobody really caught on to that book right away. So, you know, you have the whole history of those two guys, you know, and, and how big of creators those guys have become and in my mind they're they're kind of like on this on a small scale they're kind of like kirby and and stan lee they can't stand each other now from what i hear and um you know they're always bickering and fighting and they won't do books together and and uh here's a book where one of the books where they got their start it's probably their most famous book it's probably um as matt was talking about the what everybody calls the amazing fantasy 15 of our you know, generation. So I always think walking dead is a great number one is a great pickup. I would say even the first five, if you can find the first five, even the first 10. Yeah. But I would say the, at least the first, you know, one, two, three, four, five, if you can find those for a good price, they'd buy them up all day long. But yeah, uh, we'll switch here gears here in a minute, but just one last kind of thing is, when you're speculating, you gotta like we've said through this entire thing, and I think Brian can test it. You gotta be careful because the the ceiling can fall out or the floor can fall out, and the bubble can pop at any minute. 
Look at what happened with that and Ninja Turtles issue with the death of Donatello. That was so hot for like a week. And then it just, the bubble popped and it fell out. But it's crazy. If you read the previews for it, they told you that, that, that that Donald tell doesn't die. Cause it, it, you know what I mean? But you know, and that was, that's one thing about the internet too, is it, it, it's easy for something to run amok. So, uh, real quick, just before we, we change lanes, uh, this will just be my little final thing on spec market. I'll, I'll leave your, your listeners for some, some really good spec advice that I'm specking on right now. Everybody loves Adam Hughes. Er, not everybody, but a lot of people love Adam Hughes. Uh, to me, he's my favorite all-time artist. Um, Todd McFarlane's up there as their favorite all-time artist, too. Um, and and their, their covers are always hot. Um, one of the things that I'm specking on right now and that I'm keeping my eye out for, both those guys did a run of covers um, for uh, uh, t- uh, each each a different title, but the title they did it on was um, not many, very many people know about, and the covers are awesome. Uh, both of them are reprint books, but the covers are different. Uh, for McFarlane, it's Marvel Tales. Um, so what he did is he basically had a Marvel Tales that uh, Marvel did, which was, uh, what was it, like uh, just a reprint book of all of the um, Spider-Man books. And McFarlane came on and did covers for issue 223 through like 240, 239. Awesome covers. You can find them in dollar bins. You can pick them up on eBay right now for cheap, for sets. These books, um, if, if the speculation game plays like it usually does, I can see these books being great buys, good condition. Some of the covers are some of his best covers. Um, and for Adam Hughes, it's the same thing. He did uh, nine covers, uh, let's see here, issue 71 to issue 79 of X-Men Classic. Um, in my opinion, he's got two covers in that run, uh, which are his two best covers. That's issue 79, which is an awesome reprint of the Phoenix Saga, and issue 77, which is an homage to an uh, older X-Men book with uh, Wolverine and Rogue on the cover killer killer covers by killer killer artists and uh, even though they're reprint interiors the covers are brand new and you know real you know speculators who have been doing their homework know about these books but not very many people are are picking up on them so if you got a chance there's uh two you know little free cornbread crumbs that you can go jump on nice yeah, I thought uh, you guys would like that. Yeah, that's, that's some, I mean, that's that's some solid advice to give. That's cool. Super awesome. So I want to switch gears real quick. Um, I want to talk a little bit, and we can kind of still <coughs> incorporate the speculation into it. But I want to talk about real quick and get your guys' opinion on uh, Kyle's favorite love interest in Jared Leto, and <laughs> what. I don't understand what's going on, but it, it, to me, it feels like he's grasping at everything he can comic book related. He wants to do he's Suicide Squad. Now he wants to produce his own Joker movie when there's already one coming out. Now he's going to play Mor- Morbius or Mobius. Yeah, yeah. Like, Morbius. I, I don't even know what the announcement of that is going to do to the price of his first appearance, but. Those books are hot right now. They've been hot for a while, and I think they've been hot because people have known that that's one of those characters that's got to show up in the Marvel Cinematic Universe soon because it's such a good character. But can I leave you? What is your opinion on and now like it breaking away to where these villains are getting their own own movies? Like 
I kind of feel like it's, I don't know what it's going to do to the industry, but I, I feel like it's almost not a good idea because you're taking classic villains away from their source material to produce them for their own movies. And, and really for, for what reason? I think it could be an issue, but I think it also can knock it out of the park. I mean, I know you guys <laughs> give Kyle sh- a lot of shit about, you know, uh, Jared Leto, but I'm going to, I'm going to blow you guys away right now. I'm a fan of Jared Leto's Joker. I am. Uh, I like what? it. Yeah. This is going to be crazy. I know <laughs> I'm a fan of Jared Leto Joker. I'm not saying I don't think it wasn't, it could have been, couldn't have been done better in suicide squad movie. From what I hear, they had a lot, lot more scenes that they did in that movie that they didn't release. And I think that could have been something kind of cool. I think I'm a big Jared Little fan too. Um, but I think that he's harshed on pretty hardcore. Um, and I, I really think that his Joker uh, wasn't as bad as everybody say, but now here he is playing two, uh, you know, s- similar roles. And can that be done? Chris Evans did it right. So, and he killed it with Captain America. So, and uh, uh, Ryan Reynolds, he, he's what he played a horrible Deadpool. He played Green Lantern. And then now he's playing an awesome Deadpool. It all depends on the writers of, of the script. Um, I think Jerry Little is a killer actor. Uh, you know, he's, he's won Oscars. Um, he, some of his movies, for me, uh, he'll always be considered a top actor. And, you know, his role as uh, in American Psycho, the way he played that role, knocked it out of the park for that. So I'm a, I'll, I'll always be a fan of him. But I think it all depends on the writing and how they shoot the movie. You guys were talking about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles last show, I believe. And Matt, you're hundred percent right. They have to go dark. They have to write that a certain way or they're going to, it's, it's just, it's not going to do well. Um, so it all depends on the writing and how they shoot a movie nowadays, because there's so many ways people can watch so many different movies. You have to pull them in with, you know, something that's going to work. I mean, I, I think that's what, and I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, Kyle. I think that's what works right now with these movies, and I think that's why the rated R superhero film like Deadpool is is so popular. Not just because people like the character of Deadpool and that's what they want, but we live we live in a dark time right now with massive shootings. Like we just had another one yesterday. Like massive shootings. We live in a dark time where I think people want that more dark, gritty superhero than than the wholesome family you know we ride with marvel because we've been doing it for 10 years now but i think there's i think there's a lot of people out there that want to see that more dark gritty superhero movie and that's i think really where deadpool is fitting in and that's why it's exploding as much as it is and it's not but it's not working for uh the other dc movies well <laughs> the dark I'm, gritty thing but yeah but it's cheesy at the same yeah, time they're, they're doing it in a very cheesy way like i think that's why the ninja turtles has to go dark they've done you know you had you can't really me- measure up to the 90s movies the first two they they tried with michael bays and they failed so they tried to go campy family oriented and it failed so now you got to pivot and you got to kind of go darker more comic book based to draw in that the older audience that that's looking for a more adult movie going experience. Cause I can tell you, there's nothing worse than going to a movie theater and you're like, all right, nostalgia. And it's, it's packed with a bunch of little kids. 
like you kind of want that that more adult, dark, gritty, more movie going experience. I, I can I I mean I would like to see a darker Ninja Turtles movie, but I don't ever see it happening because you know with the cartoons that are still on Nickelodeon, with it still being driven you know more towards kids. I I, I don't ever see that coming to light. I don't think that's going to stop people. Look at look at people bringing their five year old kids to rated R Deadpool movies. Like I don't I don't really think. I think we live in a time right now where everyone lives with a, and, and I don't mean everyone, but a lot of people live with a facade, a, a fake wall up in front of them where out in public, they're like, oh man, this is so terrible. Like we got to be wholesome and love everyone, bring everything together. And, but behind the scenes they they don't care. Like it's like, sure, go play that violent video game or sure. Go read that violent book. Or, you know, you got kids looking at people getting blown up on the internet and, you know, people getting shot on the internet and things like that. And I think behind the scenes, it's not as PG and wholesome as everybody wants. And that's why you have these parents who you normally see going, Oh, I'm not taking my kid to a rated R Deadpool movie. They're the first fucking ones in line with their kid and a bug, thing, big thing of popcorn waiting to see it. You know, I agree. It's, it's just a weird, I, I just think people put on this, this facade in almost like know. they, they have to say it. Right. Exactly. They don't mean it, but they actually have to say it just to to fall in line with I know with with society now. Like you have to say, Oh, that's horrible when you actually yeah, you're right. When you actually you don't really give a shit. But call me crazy. <laughs> crazy. But, uh, I'm gonna throw this out here. In I'm gonna say four years, there's gonna be four names that are synonymous with the Joker. Kyle Heath Romero, Heath Ledger, Kyle Stinson. Joaquin Phoenix. I agree. I think I think Joaquin's going to kill it. Yeah, I think he. I think he might even do a better job than Heath Ledger. I I think I like Heath Heath Ledger's Joker a lot, but I think he gets a lot of leeway because that was his last his his a real last movie, and he he died somewhat after that role. So I, I don't know. I I I can agree where you're coming from there, but man, I think he just I think he just killed it. Oh, he killed it in that role. I think that's one of the best roles for a dark character, whether it's comic book or anything. Like, there's certain roles. This is when you know uh, an actor should win an Oscar. When you forget who that actor is when you're watching it, when you totally forget. Like, perfect example is is the Joker, uh, Heath Ledger's Joker. And another example that this is just throwing out there to kind of give an idea of what I'm saying. In Training Day... I forgot who Denzel Washington, that Denzel Washington was Denzel Washington. You know, he was playing such a good acting job, doing such a good role, playing that evil character. that He hated the guy. With Heath Ledger's Joker, he was doing such a good job of playing that role that you forget that you're watching the superstar actor on the screen. And I think that, in my opinion, uh, when I think of the Joker, uh, other than seeing, you know, the, the comic book image, I, I think a Heath Ledger. I, I don't. Th- I think it's going to be very hard to top that role. But I think Joaquin Phoenix is a big a nut job as any, and he might be able. To, <laughs> he might be able to pull it off. I, I think what hurts Jared Leto so much is he went. There, there's method acting, and then there's going too far into it. And like the shit you hear that went on behind the scenes on the set of Suicide Squad. I, just, I thought I heard a lot of that was actually just bullshit. Uh, I don't know. I just he gets, like him sending funky gifts and shitty things to people and that like Will Smith and stuff. I heard that was actually made up. Really? That, that was actually just a joke. Like Will Smith was just like joking around. Hmm. I think where he fucked up a couple things 
and I, I don't think the majority of the backlash is from him, but I think a couple of the things that he did that I didn't like, that stupid Rick Ross music video was absolutely horrible. Yeah, um, that was terrible. Yeah, so that kind of left a bad taste in my mouth. And then I think that they didn't they, – they pumped up that role so much, and then they only gave you, what, like two scenes with them? So that was the, the biggest part for me. They really pumped that character up. And it was, in my opinion, I thought the style of the character knocked it out of the park. He, he played on the whole punk rock style, which I like. And I think he also played a little bit to the Dark Knight Returns style of like that Joker in that white suit, you know, the silver kind of face and, 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 the, and all that stuff. Uh, I know people didn't like the tattoos. I thought it was cool. Um, but I think that the problem was is that they really fucked up by not showing us the the footage you know like why aren't they releasing those extra scenes from what i heard it, they they filmed almost like a half of a movie just in joker and harley scenes that they didn't show i heard there's a director's cutout that's got a bunch of those scenes that you can see now and it's actually a lot of people have actually come back to say just lately just recently here in the last couple of weeks that that before you you keep hating on the Jared Little Joker that you should actually try to find those scenes and actually watch a lot of them and it actually give you a different perspective on it almost makes you wonder like how he got the ability to get another movie like if if it was that bad and those scenes that people did see behind the scenes weren't good why would they give him another movie you know so i i kind of feel like it they had to be good i know that there was a couple of people, uh, what's her name, that played Harley, said that those scenes were absolutely uh, horrific t- to act in because they felt so real and, and Jared Leto's Joker was so terrifying. So, I don't know. I I mean, I, I give just, Jared Leto a lot of shit because it's, it's in his Joker a lot of shit because it's the only, it's really the only um, representation of that character from his acting style we have is what Suicide Squad is. And I think Suicide Squad as a whole is responsible for why people hate on hate on that Joker. And You're right. The way they edit it and the way they used it and how they kind of like, uh, they they really mishandled the Joker-Harley relationship. Um, Big they time. They could have handled that so much better and done it so much better. I mean, I didn't mind the tattoos as much, but the the laughing with like the 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 only one that bothered me is the giant mouth on the hand, and he puts it over his face when he does the Joker laugh. And I mean, I'm I'm down to see what he's got, but it it, it something tells me that if he's got to produce it and he's got to put up money for it and he's pushing it, it it almost feels like he feels like he needs to redeem himself. Like he feels like he gets he's getting shit on for that role that. His, his personal ego is is forcing him to try to redeem himself. Because yeah, that, that could be it. You could be right. You, you know, he's known for Jared Leto, you know, Requiem for a Dream, um, Dallas Buyers Club. You think of all these great movies he's been in, and then you're like, okay, the Joker. And everyone's like, ooh, and that's where everyone cringes. And, you know, at some point, he was so into that role, and he was so adamant about that role and he was very vocal when the movie came out about, hey, you guys, you know, I'm getting shit on here and you guys cut half me, my footage out of the movie that it, it almost feels like he needs to personally feels like he needs to redeem himself by doing this movie. Yeah. You know what is another thing? And, and you guys have talked about this. I keep on bringing up things that you've talked about in previous shows, but 
like I said, you know, I, I do listen to the show. I enjoy it a lot. So one of the things that you talk about is, you know, a lot of these movies that are tanking, one of the things that I've noticed and maybe you guys have caught on to is they always seem to be those movies where they have a director come in. He films 75% of the movie. They kick the director out. They bring another director in and then the movie turns out to be shitty solo. Solo was a great movie in my opinion, but you know, that's another, another one of those movies where the director came in, did his job they, for like half the movie. And then they bring in Ron Howard, uh, suicide squad, justice league. I hear the Justice League, um, the original Justice League uh, with, uh, what's his name? Snyder. Uh, Snyder was absolutely amazing. And I don't understand why they aren't releasing that on DVD or you know Blu-ray. So uh, those movies, these movies where these directors, you know, come in and they, they, they do half the movie or 75% of the movie and then the the screening doesn't go well. So these big movie companies go, oh, we need to, get rid of him and reshoot, do some reshoots and recut the movie. And it's like, no, there's a reason that you gave him the movie to do to begin with. He has a vision and now you guys are just botching that vision. So I think if you're going to change the directors, they should just scrap it and, and start over. Yeah. You're going to take a hit, but you're more likely to come out on top better in box office numbers than yes. you would trying to like, like suicide squad movie. Like, you look at Suicide Squad, and we like we've said before, it, it's literally you can pinpoint the up to the second in the movie where you see the first person edit it, and then when they switch editors, because the tone of the movie completely changes. I think they saw Deadpool and they went, "We need to make this more rock and roll and funny." And that movie was supposed to be dark and you know really dark humor, and it wasn't just supposed to be de- a copy of Deadpool, and that's what DC. Universal wanted to do, and they fucked it up. Because in that movie, they they took they had an original edit, and then everyone keyed off on, um, you know, they took a key off of how everyone reacted to the the trailer, and everyone was like, "Man, this trailer is awesome!" So then they got the guy that did the trailer to come back and re-edit the movie. So he edited the first half, and then the original editor did the second half, and you can tell, like r- like I said, right up to the moment that it changes. It's like two different movies, right? And like my, my problem with these, these movies is like the Joker spinoff and you got Venom coming out and you got um, Morpheus and you got, they're trying to get a silver sable and black cat movie. And, and all these movies going off is how well do these characters survive without the sort without their, their source hero? Like these are anti-heroes and villains. So you have like Venom, how, how, do we see that movie standing on its own without Spider-Man? I think it will stand on its own because they're going to have, they're going to end up bringing Spider-Man in because of this whole new merger. But you, I think you're right. I think it w- would have a Tom Hardy's my favorite actor. Um, so I, I'll, you know, I'll go see anything he puts out, but I think that you, you, you kind of keyed on it. Some of those movies, unless they, they don't have those, those big names. A lot of people aren't out there. Aren't going to go see them. And like, how do you explain this, the symbiote and the way Venom looks? Because the way he looks, the reason he looks the way he looks is because it's a direct adaptation of how he, the symbiote was over the Spider-Man when you know, Spider-Man was in the black suit. Yes. So it's that, that's why he takes that form. So how do you explain it? Like, that's why it's still in the comic shoots webs. And even when any Brock has him, he still shoots webs for a time before 
he starts using the symbiote to to web sling and and things like that. So you, you mean you have these core character, these core instances that make the character who they are that you're going to be missing from these films that I think are going to dramatically impact the the way the audience perceives the film because they're not there. Yeah, it's going to be. Can be Why should you care about more Morbius, the Living Vampire, or Morbius, the Living Vampire without Spider-Man? Like, why? Why do you care about him? Are they going to do Morbius a solo movie, or is that is he going to be yeah. a it's a solo movie? Oh, yeah, that's weird. That's and I heard they cut. They they decided not to do uh, Silver Sable and and whatever Black Cat. I heard they they canceled that. Yeah, they they've shelved it for now because of the merger. Yeah, you know it's a really weird thing that's going on with big budget movies and these big movie companies i think that the movie audience has too many things to choose from nowadays and it's not about going to see these movies in the theaters anymore most i would rather see movies at my house on blue on uh you know uh cody or whatever um you know netflix hulu uh, then I would go to see it in a theater. but And I think a lot of people are becoming that way too. So I think that you only have one or two movies a year that really make a huge profit and the rest are struggling. And I don't think it's because every single one of them is a bad movie. I just think that the, the way that audiences are watching and what audiences that have to choose from is changing so drastically. Well, we have so many options now. We're flooded. Yes, and and since we're flooded, you 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 end up picking and choosing it. You know, I mean, it's like when you went from having four TV stations to watch TV to having two hundred. You don't you don't watch a lot of you miss a lot of good things because there's just so much you just can't. It's it's too much to keep up with, and a lot of good stuff gets swept under the rug for that reason. Well, and I think you're they're missing the point too. Is is you look at these movies, Spider-Man, we just found out that the next title of Sp- the next Spider-Man movie is Spider-Man Far From Home. We know that Jake Gyllenhaal is coming in to play Mysterio. You're getting all these other villains that are going to get so much more shine and people are going to want to go see because it's part of the main Marvel line than they are like Morpheus. He's a great villain. He's an awesome villain. His story in, in the comics and even the anime <coughs> series was amazing. Like They could make that an awesome movie, but you're going to you're you're gonna like hope you know, well potentially hurt his character hurt his sales because you're gonna give him a standalone movie before you try to introduce him in a Marvel movie in a Spider-Man movie. I think um, that the only way that they can do that the right way, and I just now thought of this is you know Morbius had a huge run as his own character outside of the Spider-Man universe in the, in the 70s and the. The 80s in Marvel, that Marvel Monster Mag, and and where he teamed up with Ghost Rider and Man Thing, and there's like a Legion of Monsters or whatever, and uh-huh. those were really dark, scary, you know, comics back in the day where you had a lot of the artists, the old horror artists, doing those books, and they killed it, man. And if they make a Morbius movie dark and like a horror movie, I could see that just. I could see that working, but they have to do it that right gritty way, like you were talking about with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah, I just, I, I don't know. I just think you know, like, like Venom, Morpheus. It's hard to say what. I mean, I could see giving them a spinoff movie after that. Like me, I'm a huge advocate, and and I'll scream it from the mountaintops. I want to see Craven's Last Hunt. Hell yeah! 
I want to see Craven's Last Hunt in a big on the big screen in a theater done by Marvel. I don't want to see them give Craven his own standalone story. I want to see that movie played out on the big screen with Spider Man, and that that's what I'm worried about is too too is with them giving all these different villain spin off movies to make this bigger universe. When do they come to Craven and and they're just like, man, you know, this isn't the movie I want. That's the other thing they're gonna they're gonna have to decide what you know, like like with the whole thing with um with Star Wars, them deciding not to do the standalone like Boba Fett movies and other Star Wars movies. I think that's a horrible decision. They need to decide. Okay, certain movies we can't put as much money behind. I mean, Deadpool killed it with the amount of money on that for they spent on that first Deadpool movie. You don't have to spend millions and hundreds of millions of dollars on these movies to make them good. You just got to have a good writer and, and a good, you know, director and, and, and somebody who knows how to you know, direct a uh, good DP. You don't have to spend all this money. And I think that they, instead of shelving these great ideas and great movies that they can make, they just need to figure out a way to make them profitable I, I think it's I think it's hard because I think a lot of what drives this movie is is Marvel and you know people know the MCU versus a Sony Marvel movie versus a Fox Marvel movie like I really think well with know, a merger I mean it well, can be yeah. interesting who knows what's going to happen with the Fox Disney merger that's going to that's going to shake everything up and I think you're going to see like you know, Sony was very, very hesitant to come to the table with Spider-Man, and I think their return on investment with what they got back from Homecoming and what they getting, what they're getting now for the hype for Far From Home, and just what happened at the end of Infinity War and the way people are talking about that. I think they they're capitalizing on return on investment, and I think you're going to see them come to the table if after July 27th, when Fox votes, if it goes through then I think you're going to see Sony come to the table and be like, listen, we need to make more of a deal. Let's, let's work something out here to, to be, for us to be able to use these characters too. And I think you're going to see a, a lot more shifting going on than what we currently have. Well, when, I, when Marvel comes out and brings Silver Surfer on that big screen, I, I can't wait for that moment. I've been waiting for that for a long time to be done well. And I think... Oh man, if he shows up at the end of Avengers Infinity War, you know, part two, could you imagine that? I know they've already filmed it, right? Yeah, where yeah. we get a true Galactus and he's not a giant uh, cloud. Oh man, they could just turning fanboys. You know, we never thought we would see uh, Avengers, but you know, what's what's down coming is just it can be done really, really well. It can. I think I think secretly behind the scenes, there's more to this merger than we know. And I think there might've been a deal struck that has been hush hush and kept lock and key because, you know, you have Marvel saying that they're going to use the scrolls in, um, cap the captain Marvel movie. So you, you know, fantastic four villains. And I know that the scrolls have been all throughout the Marvel universe, but I think there's something, there's been underlying things there for years that they've been preparing for this. And they're, I think the next phase of Marvel movies, you're, you're going to see it all, come together and it, you're going to realize that okay this has been in works and this has been planned for a lot longer than what the media has what's been out in the media you it think, wasn't go ahead kyle i was saying so you think this whole merger this whole talk has been behind closed doors for a long time i think so because rupert murdoch who owns fox he's very adamant about his shareholders going with this with the, the disney bid 
once Disney outbid Comcast again, Comcast still can come back with another bid, and they're trying to partner with another company that owns half of Fox now to rebid. But he's urging all of his stockholders to go with the Disney bid. He wants to go with that Disney bid. I think there's something there that's been underlined and placed for a long time that we just don't know about, and that Disney and Marvel, Marvel Cinematic Universe, they have a contingency plan if this doesn't work. But also, I think they've been laying this groundwork for this to happen for a long, long time. I think there's been talks about this happening since days of, since X Men Three failed, and then you had Days of Futures Past. I think Fox was trying to stay afloat, like saying, "Okay, let's see what we can do. Let's see what we can do. Let's see what we can do." When they put out um, First Class, and then kind of when you got to to Days of Futures Past, and in the way that went, and then then you had um, the last. X-Men Apocalypse and the response that that get, I think that's when the start, the talk started to become more and more real. Oh, I mean, as everything was growing in popularity, as people were filling up movie theaters, you think that's when the talk well, started? No, because your, your Deadpool is really the only movie that's, that's selling out for Fox. Like dead. You didn't hear much of a fun day. The features pass is a hit or miss movie. I know you liked it, but it did really well in the theaters. A lot of people that hate it. That's my favorite X Men movie. Data Features Past. Yeah, by far. Oof. <laughs> Oof. I, I know, man. I was. I've been wanting to talk to you about this for a while. I. I think that movie was so good. I like the way that they bridged the two different uh, universes. You know, the original X Men movies. You know, with with. Uh, Logan and Dr. Xavier. And then they did the time jump to the first class. I thought that was genius. I thought that it was so much darker than any other X-Men movie. Um, the only thing that they fucked up on in that movie was letting what's her name play Psylocke. That was such a mistake. I know every fanboy's dream was to, you know, that was everybody's fan fanboys. Well, that, was, dream. that was apocalypse. That was age of apocalypse. Okay. Yeah, you're right. Sorry about that. Okay, back to Days of Futures Past. Anyways, it was it was that movie was so dark, and and the way that uh, they kind of ended that movie, the the soundtrack for that movie was killer. Uh, the the DP for that movie was killer. That was a good freaking movie. Now I realized that it was nowhere near like the comic book, the real the real comic book Days of Futures Past, and 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 all that stuff. So that I can understand if that's where you're coming from um, because that was such a, you know, integral part to a lot of our X-Men, you know, childhood, that storyline. So especially even with the, with the cartoon. So um, I understand where you're coming from if that's your reason, but I don't think it was a bad movie. My re I mean, my reasoning are, is I don't, I, I feel like there's a lot of missed opportunities. I don't like the fact that Kitty Pride is the one that's sending people back in the past. I don't like the fact that they just all of a sudden gave her this pow- new power that's not explained that if you're a Kitty Pride fan, you're like, where, where did this come from? You know, yeah. I know, I know in the comics, she's the one going, but I'm okay with them sending Wolverine back and it makes more sense. Yes. And so does the, but they had to do it a certain way to make sense. You just said it. There's always going to be a little bit of the fanboy, you know, thing where it's going to be a little different. They have to do it that way because the majority of the people out there watching these movies don't know the comic storyline. I mean, like I spend a lot of my time after a major comic book movie comes out. I spend a lot of my, my time at work explaining people come to me, explain to me how this happens in the comics, explain to me how this happens in the movie and why it's different because they, they want to know afterwards because you know, they know I'm a comic book guy, but 
they have no idea. It's unbelievable how many people just don't know. No, people yeah. just like to see the movies. They, yeah, and you're both 100% right, but like their their reasoning of oh people don't know who Rachel Summers is I, I don't care nobody know who war and who knows who Warpath is like yeah you know who knows the Psylocke didn't no one really knew Psylocke except for fanboys and then that's when the the, the casuals caught on to it after that you know and it's like who who knows about Pixie and and all these people like why not just bring Rachel Summers in and have her do her thing you know keep it to what how the book was in that standpoint. Like I understand making subtle changes and I hated the way the future Sentinels looked and I hated the way the basics. I agree. Yeah. I was like, I was just like from a, from a plot standpoint of just story. Yeah. It's, it's a great movie, but there's, there's parts of me that pick it apart and I, I, I just can't enjoy it on the level I want to. I'm like, you know, that's, that's kind of shitty that I did it that way. Okay. You know, and I don't know. It just, I'm like, I was seriously let down by Apocalypse, though, and, and for, for just two reasons. The one I brought up about Psylocke and how shitty they made Apocalypse look. And Oscar Isaac did a really good job with what he was given. But, man, they did a, he looked so stupid. And that character <laughs> is one of my favorite all-time villains. And they, they could have done such a good job with that that they just it just looks stupid. I think that with most villains in a lot of these movies that they just I, – I think they, they – they get close, but it just seems like sometimes they just miss the mark with, with a lot of these villains. Yeah. I mean, they did it with Ultron too. That, and that's, yeah. And I think that's the biggest gripe about every Marvel movie is, is the villain in how bad the villains have been. And that's why I think infinity war is such a game changer, not only by the way it ended, but just the fact that they, they made you connect with Thanos. They made you care there were times where you you were sympathetic for him and his story and and what's going on and it kind of started that when Black Panther with uh, Killmonger. Yes, and I think you're gonna you're gonna see that going forward. Where I think Marvel's found a new they found a new formula for doing their villains to where you're gonna connect with that villain a little bit more over through the course of the movie. You know who I think kind of made the the big movie and these big uh, uh, entertainment companies figure that out. I think Robert Kirkman made him figure that out because I think Robert Kirkman is very good and did a really good job. Unfortunately, they didn't go that way with the TV show, but I think when the TV show got big, a lot of those big, big production companies went and read walking dead. And I think that the way Robert Kirkman made you hate, uh, um, Negan so much and then slowly made you like him, And he turned into be that character where you're like, okay, he's becoming like, the anti-hero the punisher type character you know so See, i'm the opposite i've loved negan since the day he showed up since the what? day he bashed glenn's brains and i've been a huge negan fan well, from yeah, the comic been, yeah, <laughs> yeah and the fan, comic you've been a fan of like his character but like i think that i don't know did you see him being a, a an anti-hero ending up being an anti-hero or i i always thought that he was gonna end up dying some way like the governor died you know they're gonna yeah so, like, I never saw him. Uh, Kirkman's so good at that. You know, uh, him and George R. R. Martin are so good at making you worried about nobody's safe and then making you, you know, like George R. R. Martin did the same thing um, with Game of Thrones and the Kingslayer. And, you know, 
you hated his guts. And then now, I mean, he's a lot of people's favorite, favorite quote unquote hero. He's becoming the person that might save it all. You know what I mean? He might end up being, you know, that prophecy that saves the whole thing. So I think that's a that shows the signs of a very good writer to to make you flip on something so and, and care about something so differently a complete 180 with how you write that character. So hopefully that people are are taking note of that, and that's why these villains are becoming more anti heroes than villains. Well, I think there's three big there's three big writers in the comic book industry right now that that are you can credit with that. And I mean, disagree, feel free to disagree with me wholeheartedly if i'm wrong i think brian michael bendis scott snyder and like you said robert kirkman they all have an uncanny ability to, for you to 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 latch on to characters and care about characters that normally you probably shouldn't yeah i agree i think you i think you're 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 100 right it's like there's just something with like scott snyder i think you you've always had that that underlying Joker Batman relationship, but I think with Death of the Fam or Death of the Family and then Endgame, Scott Snyder had this uncanny ability to bring that that underlying something out to where you you felt more for the Joker, especially in Endgame, especially after he had like everything erased and it, you you kind of like started to feel for him more. And then when he shows back up in the Bloom Saga, you 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 kind of get that you know, love for him again. Like, Oh man, like you're, you're drawn to him for some reason now. To me, the Joker is the only villain that gets anywhere near the, the throne that Darth Vader has. And that's for me. And I think one of the reasons why it's the same reason why Darth Vader is such a great villain to me is that the relationships. Uh, so for, for me, you know, you look at the relationship Joker has that he only does what he does he doesn't want to kill Batman. You know, he, he's, he considers himself that, that anti Batman that needs to be there to make Batman who he is. You know what I mean? Yeah. The yin to his yang. Exactly. And, and then, the, and then with Darth Vader, it's the same type of relationship where he's, he was the, the, the prophecy that he was the, the, the main guy and he became the bad guy. So there's that relationship where he doesn't want to end the world. He doesn't want to kill the, his, the you know the 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 hero there's a relationship there and whether it's crazy or whether it's some other thing to be able to write that role in a good way like snyder did that batman run is up there to me with frank miller's batman run it's up there to me with uh, alan moore's swamp thing run it's it's one of those runs that I think will go down as uh, changing comics for the better. Well, and I think that's why some of these, these characters are so iconic. Like you, you can't have, I, I, you have to have a strong villain to meet a strong hero. Like, you know, you said Joker, Darth Vader, Green Goblin, and then Lex Luthor. Like that's like those four Relations. guys right there. It just, that's why those characters are in the, those heroes are so popular in those books. So, and they're like known the world over is it's the relations it's yes yeah good shit man but but yeah that's i mean that's i just wanted to get your guys' opinion on on kind of like the the movie thing and what's going on with Jared Leto and if it's going to if you see it hurting these characters or or you know making them bigger and more known i guess Kyle are you going to buy a ticket 
Oh, of course. I'm with there. I'm right there with you, man. <laughs> I'm gonna. I gotta support it. <laughs> you know what? And you know what? It seems like a lot of these guys. Like I mean, like even you know the first time Ron Ryan Reynolds played Deadpool, he didn't do a very good. I mean, and it was the way it was written. Exactly. So it, it it was almost there, and it was, but it was it was too much to it. It really wasn't. And then he got to do it again, and he fucking nailed it. And it's just like with uh, Green Lantern, he didn't do that. I mean, I didn't think it was that bad of a movie. Well, when they came out and they said that Jeff Johns kind of stepped down because he wanted to, I mean, they said he's got a new role that he's doing, but it sounds like he stepped down because he really wanted to put everything he has behind the script for Green Lantern Corps. And that is my all-time favorite uh, story arc in comics is Jeff Jones' Green Lantern saga. Um, That, for me, that changed my way I look at comics. Um, I think Green Lantern Rebirth is the greatest, in my opinion, the greatest comic story ever told or written. Um, And he had such a... Uh, there, there was a real big reason for him to write it the way he wrote it and to do it the, the way he did. He had a lot of uh, heart behind it. Um, if people don't know the story, his sister passed away in a, in a, in a plane crash. And it was, there was a lot intertwined with that and the story he wanted to do for Green Lantern. So he had a lot of reason to, to do what he did. And if he stepped down from his role where he, I'm sure he was making a ton of money just because he wanted to put a lot of effort into writing the Green Lantern Corps script and storyline correctly, man, that's probably what I'm most excited about coming up. I think I think for that movie to to hit the way they wanted to, I think you got to move away from Hal Jordan and you you got to you know look at at going in other directions. Well, I think that they. In a way, you're right. I think that the idea of doing a Hal Jordan, John Stewart initial movie, you know, like the the, the um, Lethal Weapon type storyline, is the way to introduce them. But Hal Jordan is the essential Green Lantern character, and he's the reason. I mean, he's my Batman and Hal Jordan are my two favorite DC characters, and Hal Jordan's Green Lantern saga. It's gonna. You're right. It's gonna be hard to write the history that they have behind Hal Jordan for the movie. But I think Jeff Johns has so much behind doing it for Hal. Uh, you know, that was his whole reason for doing writing Green Lantern to begin with. And uh, as long as they, they, they do it the right way, uh, you're right. It's going to be hard for them to do it, but if they can do it the right way, they're going to have to, they're going to have to bring in John Stewart with them. Well, and it just depends on who they try to target. Cause a lot of, the, a lot of the the adult generation now that are going to see this movie, they grew up with John Stewart as as their Green Lantern. So yeah, yeah, it's crazy, isn't that weird? Like this is how you know we were talking before the show how we're getting old, and that's how I know I'm getting old when you know people's Green Lanterns or people's you know their characters are based on these um, cartoons that were after my time. Now, don't get me wrong. I grew up on Batman, the animated series, and of course, G.I. Joe and all that stuff. So it's not just because they were cartoons, but I definitely didn't grow up on, you know, Teen Titans Go and uh, the Green Green Lantern, the Jon Stewart, uh, the Justice League cartoon. So it's, it's very weird to start hearing that, like, oh, that's the reason why they're choosing that character, because that's what people associate with Green Lantern is Jon Stewart. Yeah, it's weird. But 
Well, we've been doing this for two hours now, and I think this has been a great conversation. Um, we want to do a little, before we end the show, we want to try out a new segment on the show. It's <laughs> called, What Would Kyle Do? And I posted this, and you're, you're more than welcome to chime in on this too, Brian. I, appreci- I actually welcome it. So what we did is we're going to have a new segment on the show where we ask you to submit questions or situations to us that you are having a hard time trying to answer or figure out on your own and submit them to our guru, Mr. Kyle Stinson, and get his opinion on what he would do in that situation. We actually had two submissions this week, um, and I'm just going to do them. One of them is more of a what-the-fuck Friday-oriented, but I'm going to read it here just so everyone kind of gets an idea of what we're looking for. So I'm going to start with this one. It says, Dear Kyle, I'm ashamed to say this, but my pullout game was not strong in high school, and I ended up knocking up my wife. Fast forward 18 years, and my daughter is about to head off to college. Luckily, she was able to lock down a scholarship, but still needs a car and some money for things for her dorm room. Unfortunately, I'm just a working-class schmuck, and I work a blue-collar 9-to-5 job and didn't inherit well. The one thing I did inherit was my grandfather and father's combined comic book collection. Now my wife is on my ass to part out my collection to help my daughter buy a car um, as a graduation present. As a fellow father and comic book collector... I need your sage-worthy advice. Thanks, Torn Between Pages. So what I would do, and you know what? I've, and this reminds me of a different story, too, is I know someone else that has their comic book collection that they have growing up, and their wife wants them to sell it. And so we were sitting down, and we were having dinner, and we were hanging out. And I, I guess my role was supposed to be to convince him to sell it and then help him sell it. So when we finally sat down to talk about it, I said, you know what I would do? Don't fucking sell them. Figure, <laughs> out, a, <laughs> figure out a different way. Hang on to them. Keep them. Now, I would say if you have, okay, say you have doubles of these books. Maybe if you have, say you have two giant size X-Men and you got two, you know, Spider-Man 129s, you got, I would take one of those and I would, I would sell them. Cause, eh. but in the world that we live in, and just like we were saying earlier, there's other ways that we can, you can make money, you know, side hustle, something. So I would say, don't sell them just because first off, it's something that came from your dad and your grand, I don't know what your relationship was, but you know, if is, is that is uh, important to you? You know what I mean? That's something that you have of theirs. So I wouldn't sell them just just to buy a car. You know what kind of car does she need? Does she need a 2019? No, I would figure out a different way to be able to to make that work. That's what I would personally do. I would so not. The, sell books. I mean, if I would only consider buying my books, and if this was a, you know, there, you know, and I've talked about this with my wife. If it's between a comic book and the lights. Okay, or a comic book in our house, it's I would sell stuff, you know what I mean? But I think with I think I think there's you know, you scrunch the numbers, you kind of come down, you know, we're we're nine to five working class schmucks too that you know money's hard to come by. I would figure out another way to hustle that money to try to get it to work. What would you do, Brian? <laughs> I I I'm glad that uh, 
Well, I guess I guess I would say is the decision is the decision made with his wife around or without his wife around because it's always funny how those decisions you're you're going to stand pat on something and, and when your wife or your girlfriend standing around and it's time to make that decision that goes right out the window when she takes a look at you know that where you're heading so well okay we see comic books this way as 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 art and something we enjoy having and something we've enjoyed collecting and you know some of these books we have gone to great lengths to acquire amen and and the way you know and and i know like my these people i know i know how my wife my wife kind of sees them as boxes that are boxes of books that are just building up in my room and in our garage and in, in our living room and you know what i mean and i think and then like you know the person that they wanted me to help sell the books is that's how they saw it too. They have, you know, theirs is in a storage locker and it's, uh, and they just see it as something that's just sitting there. That's not a big deal, but what happens because, but it's a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> and, and just to go, okay, I'm just going to sell this book. So, and I get it, you know, you got to do things for your kids and you have to, and you always being part of a parent is sacrificing as a parent. You, are always sacrificing till and then what happens is they have kids and then then you continue sacrificing for your grandkids it's it's part of the contract of having a bad pullout game <laughs> <laughs> it's it, it's kind of what you, you know it's 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 kind of what you signed you uh, on the dotted line in a minute <laughs> <laughs> I, game of the week <laughs> i hear i hear there's there's companies out there um that are starting up and this might sound crazy but uh i want to say one of them's like comic collateral uh that's the one that i've heard about on cbsi before where literally if you're in that situation you can go take your comics and you know shoot an email to that company say this is what i got uh you know and it's almost like kind of like that pawn type thing um if it's something that you just want to get money real quick and you know, it's something that you might want to try like and a work a loan company. Almost, yeah, ex- exactly. But, you know, uh, there's, yeah. there's always ways to make money, like Kyle says. So if, if it's something you really don't want to sell, I think you take Kyle's advice. If it's something you want to sell, I think you hit Kyle up in an email. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, but I, I think also, too, is, is you know, if, if, if it's something that you're not – that it doesn't matter to you. Like not saying that it doesn't matter, but if it's, if it's, if they're not totally important to you, I wouldn't sell as a whole. I would kind of pick and choose a few ones that, you know, even like, yeah, honey, I sold some books. Yeah. 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 Maybe ones that you didn't care about as much. Then you're kind of, you're kind of meeting in the middle. Yeah. you, You know what? You can always say, yep, I did sell some books to help contribute. But you're definitely going to lose money on some books, so I think you're you're hitting the topic right on the head. Yeah, I would I wouldn't I wouldn't sell it as a whole because anytime you sell your collection as a whole, you're not going to get what you want for them. And you know, piece it maybe piece some of it out. I wouldn't sell any of it. I would figure out a different way. I'd fucking, you know what? Uber. <laughs> I, mean, I wouldn't. <laughs> I would look more at giving the kid your car and buying yourself a new vehicle. That way you're getting that new hotness if you're selling your books. But I think, <laughs> I think like you, like they're saying, parting it out, if you're going to do it, look at parting it out, hang on to those key issues. And, and the other question is, is it comes down to what's in your collection. 
if you have a collection, I mean, if it was your grandfather's and now your father and then your father's and now yours, you've probably got some pretty amazing books in there and you can, I would search eBay and just see what you got and, and what you can sell and what you you're willing to do without and not sell the keys. And then the other way to look at it is, yeah, you're, you're going to be giving her a car now, but think of the, the sentimental value that if, she, like Kyle said, when she has kids and if she has a son and you can actually hand that comic book collection down from your grandson to your grandsons. And then that's going into the family. So it was your grandfather's then your father's then yours. And now it's going to your grandson, you know, it, it, it's, it's continuing on through the family and it's, it's sentimental value. It's something that you can pass down to, you know, from generation to generation. So I, I think I got to go with Kyle and, and Brian on this is you got to look at it. There's multiple ways to look at it. And I think you got to come at it from every angle before you, you pull the trigger and make a decision of whether or not, you're cool with parting it out and, and still having some of it or not having any of it. And another thing I've learned too with, and this is with all people, if you can't, if you say you can't afford it, that means you kind of really don't want it. Cause if you really want something, you've, you have always figured out a way to acquire it. Well, so, right. And but, I, mean, I mean, like not, like, you know, not like I, I want to fucking, you know, I want a gold plated car, but with things within reason, like if, if it's, if you say, yeah, I want that, but you never really get it, you didn't really want it. But if you figure out a way to do it, you if you really want something, you people always truly sit down and figure out a way to do it. And they figure it out and they make it work. So I think if you really want to do it, you'll figure it out. You know what? <laughs> Uber Friday and Saturday nights, there's a cool 400 bucks, 500 bucks a weekend. <laughs> Buy her a 99 Civic. You'll be good. <laughs> lift. <laughs> Run some lift. Poor, you got the poor guy out there working doubles as Uber and Lyft. Hey, it's part of the sacrifice. That's <laughs> what happens when your pullout game was weak. <laughs> pullout game. They have devices to prevent that. You know, they're called condoms. Yeah, it's not the same. <laughs> yeah. But um let's but yeah, let's, so, let, let's let's put a brick wall up on something we enjoy. Right. I think I think that's I think that's the best advice. I mean, I couldn't say it better, any better than what you guys said is it's you you got to look at it from many angles before you pull the trigger and just be like, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to sell off it. Not, not only just sentimental value, but some of those books, depending on what you have, like if there's, if there's good stuff in there, like even early Spider-Man, early Batman, early Superman, even if it's not action comics, number one, you know, early, early stuff, that's going to be, you're going to sell it, but it's going to cost you an arm and a leg to get back. And it's not going to be the same book that, you know, your grandfather and your father held it. it it's not going to have the same sentimental value. So I think you're, you're, I mean, I'm sure you're a collector. If you're a collector, you, you always, and that's the thing about collecting. You always know what's in your collection. You know, what books are to sell, what books not to sell, you know, okay, I can, I can sell these ones and make some all right money. You, you, you know, and and that's kind of what I would do if if it's a truly like an internal battle with you and your the wife. The struggle is real. The struggle is real. I would because most times you know it's it's kind of like guns and whatever else you collect. If you told your wife what they were really what you really paid for them, she'd be pissed. So you know what they're worth. So just and you know which ones to sell. If you really have to come down to sell it, then just do do the middle of the road ones. <laughs> Just do it, just because I know she just looking at it as a box of comics. Just if you just sell some, you you know, you 
you've made her happy. <laughs> Sell the shitty ones. Sell the shitty ones. And what are you doing? You know, you're right, honey. I decided to sell some of these off. You don't have to include the, you know, you don't have to be like, yeah, but I'm only selling my shitty ones. She saw you mailing the books out. She sees the PayPal money coming in, the transfers. She, she sees the money. You're doing your job. Everybody wins. Amen. But, yeah, that night, that's how yeah, I'm in the same boat. Like I was talking to my mom about something a while ago, and I was like, yeah, I need the money to do this. And she and she was like, well, why don't you sell some of your comic books? And I was like, no, they're they're collector's items. They got sentimental value to me. I don't want to sell them. And she's like, they're just comic books. I was like, why don't you sell some of your China dolls? No, exactly. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's the same it. thing. So, but yeah, I think you guys you hit it right on the head. I couldn't set up it myself. I think that's some sage worthy advice there from that, both. That, and that is a good question because I know that's that's the battle with married couples and being a married couple when you collect when you truly collect something. Cause I mean, that's why, you know, just like the same thing when you drive down the road and you see that, you know, that, that older guy in a, a 1967 uh, Camaro, you know, he's divorced or, you know what I mean? Cause when you do something like that, it sometimes it puts a strain on relationships. Cause you, know, you, have, you have the guy that has the Camaro with the license plate that says kids grown. Yeah. I see yeah. that all over Phoenix. <laughs> And you know, it, you know, and I, you know, I can admit it. I've gotten in arguments with my wife. Uh, my, again, you know, I mean, like some of my live auctions now. She's she's friends with them, and so that she can get alerted when uh, when they go live. So you know, and so she'll uh, poke in to see if I'm buying anything. She's checking <laughs> up on you, huh? She does. <laughs> she's not, you know. So, and it sucks because you know, like some of the guys in those. Uh, online auctions they uh they go by code names so their wives don't know that you know awesome. it, it's you know nighthawk's in night you know nighthawk at 18 dollars, and his wife doesn't know that he's nighthawk and he could buy books so my wife you know thinks a little more outside the box and so she just decided to become friends with him so that she can be a part of the live auction then her name pops up and i'm like fuck <laughs> that's on your that's on your code name because it becomes thrust control right pull out game week now yeah i can't bid on anything because she sees it and then i get a text message i see you bidding yeah why don't you just work you're at work you don't need to be watching live comic book auctions just 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 work you're like you don't see anything what i'm doing at home is my business you're at work no all right and then the second one we got for this week this is like i said brace it it's more of a what the fuck friday based one but says, Dear Kyle, I found the post about this segment on the Absolute Geek fa- Facebook page and thought this question was perfect for you. Last week, my girlfriend, my buddy, and I went out for my birthday and I did and did our traditional We Ain't Dead Yet pub crawl. To start the night off right, my girlfriend took me to this nice local Mexican restaurant for dinner before we headed out to the bar. Um, you know, to get that nice base set up. So fast forward to about 1.30 a.m., our night was over and we called an Uber as my buddy, uh, let's call him Rocco, for the sake of remaining anonymous, was so drunk he kept falling off his, off his chair and blacking out, but somehow managed to order our Uber. On the way home, Rocco passed out in the Uber, and my girlfriend started to complain that her stomach was bothering her. I just told her it was probably because she had too much to drink and brushed it off as nothing. She proceeded to tell me again that her stomach hurt and something wasn't right. I asked if she needed to throw up, and she said, I don't know. 
at a stoplight, all of a sudden the car started to smell the driver, like the driver hit a skunk or something in or something. had just died inside of it. The Uber driver rolled down the windows. Um, <laughs> uh, I leaned over to my girlfriend and asked if she just farted. She told me to shut up and got upset. We rolled up to my apartment and as rock and as she and Rocco got out of the car ahead of me, I noticed a brown streak where my girlfriend had been sitting. <laughs> I quickly ex- exited, shut the door and went in the house. A few days later, Rocco, Rocco called me saying that Uber was charging him a cleaning fee for the stain on the seat. Should I come clean and offer to help Rocco pay half the cleaning fee or should I toss my girlfriend under the bus and tell him she shit herself in the Uber and make and make her pay the entire fee? Thanks for the help and keep up the great work. First off, I wouldn't throw anybody under the bus. I would deny, deny, deny. <laughs> that fucking stain was probably in there before we got in there. How did he know it wasn't the last fucking Uber that he drove? It's not, you know, like when you throw up in an Uber and they charge you that Uber cleaning fee, you know it happened. You know what I mean? But this guy just, you know, he noticed that after he got home, he said, that fucking bitch. <laughs> she, she shit in my car, but I would deny it. I would I would tell Rocco, listen, Rocco, that dude's a fucking liar. <laughs> <laughs> he's fucking I think he's just trying to get you on the take, man. He's just trying to get some extra cash, man. I think Rocco needs to be a better tipper for Uber. That that's what I tell him. You know, you better you better up that from two dollars to five from now on, leave him a good review. But I would why 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 throw his old lady under the bus? Nobody can technically prove it. Cause she shit herself in somebody's car. Nobody knows that. They only smelled something funky. <laughs> hey, who smelt it? Delta man. I, I think it's fucking Rocco's <laughs> buddy who did it. I I think he's I think he's throwing his old lady under the bus right now, and telling us that it was her. I think it was actually him. I think she. I think he shit in the car. You think, you, think, <laughs> you think he's the one that shit in the car? And he's just trying to pass, pass blame. Yep, I think he's too embarrassed to even tell us that he fucking shit himself in the car <laughs> well but, but, i agree with that because i know women don't poop so i agree with you kyle right uh, every woman i've known does not poop uh i've never seen a woman poop i never thought of a woman pooping oh w- women don't I've poop. seen a woman poop yeah it, they do poop that is, that is a myth and it is it is ferocious <laughs> it's, it's it, yeah i don't know i guess i just got lucky with an ex-wife that like to poop with the door open so <laughs> what I would actually or forget do, to I, flush, and you walk in there, and there's a floater, and you're like, "God damn it! <laughs> God damn it! There's no toilet paper. Do you even wipe your ass, lady?" <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Jesus Christ! And we're out of wet wraps. Yeah, but that's what I would do. I, you know what? I'd actually deny it, and then, and this is just my sense of humor. I would, I would not say anything for a long time, and then one day we'd be talking about something related. And I would be like, "Aha! Remember my old lady shit in the Uber car? <laughs> Aha! I didn't even help you." <laughs> Those are always the best stories, <laughs> right? And then you could bring it up later, and then you can all laugh about it because it's been a long time. So now it's a funny story, and nobody's oh, mad. And- or even better when his when his buddy, you know, is partying with that guy and his old lady, and like he goes, "You remember that time your <laughs> wife shit in the Uber, and you, they're both there?" <laughs> yeah. <And> the- <laughs> yeah. That's it. That's what that but that that's what you do. Do not throw your old lady in the bus. That's fucked. That's fucked. That's fucked. <laughs> Just deny, deny, deny. I mean, I wonder how much she charged. 
I would just, I would, I would, that's Uber, what I would say. I think Uber's cleaning things like 200, 300 bucks. Yeah. Like if you puke in a car, it's a 200, it's an automatic $250 charge. Yeah. So well, always, he was, he was in the car when, when the smell first arrived. So he needs to think about how bad the smell was. And then you say to yourself, okay, if it was bad enough for me not to want to be in the car, how, how much, you know, do I need to give him on the sly to not talk about it? <laughs> Here is a George Washington to keep this quiet. <laughs> well, I mean, literally. So, I mean, it sounds like Rocco, the guy who has to pay, was passed out. So, like, really, the only two people that know what happened is this dude and his girlfriend. Because if she was complaining that her stomach hurt, and then you know he asked her if she farted, and he tells her to shut up and gets all pissed off. It sounds like she knows. She <laughs> knows she had that fucking, uh, that, you know, that wet drunk farts, and she probably sharted and. Well, she clearly did shart. Yeah, I was about to say, probably. <laughs> yeah, so... I wonder if it streaked as she got out, as they got out, like she was sitting in the middle. Like a snail? <laughs> yeah, like, like, <laughs> like you know, like you're in the back seat and you scoot out to get out. I wonder if that's when, like, she made the streak. Like, was it vertical? Was it horizontal? Now you're getting too scientific with it. <laughs> well, yeah, but, was it a streak? Was it just a spot? Like, was it soaked in like it could have been anything how do you know someone didn't spill a, a coke back there or yeah. like a burrito like, like did you follow the trail to their front doors that's right. how you knew i mean i i would just tell rocco sorry i think you just got to short end of the uber stick dude <laughs> i think i think deny is the sound sage advice because why would you want to throw your old lady under the bus right. and your shoe is telling gonna tell your buddy yeah i fucking shit in the car <laughs> you're not gonna fucking take a fall for it so it looks no. like it's just something to you but i would totally bring it up like in like a year from now though when everybody can laugh about it yeah, oh, yeah well, your next birthday when y'all go out and be like all right if you and your old lady are still together be like don't shit in the car this time don't shit in the uber this time you totally have to say it, especially if it's all three of you guys together <laughs> now don't shit it at this time wear <laughs> pants or or tell her uh you might not want to wear that skirt, honey. Won't you put yeah. some pants on? Just you walk around, shit yourself again. Walk around with a rolled up newspaper in your back pocket all night. When she's like, what's that for? And you'd be like, oh, don't worry about it. And when the Uber comes up, you lay down the, the paper. <laughs> like, what's that for? So you don't shit on the seat like you did last time. That would be awesome. Uh, hey, and that goes out. There's And that hair, to all the Uber drivers out there, buy seat covers. There you go. Amen. You, you could roll that shit up and just toss it out and go on eBay and buy another one for like 15 bucks. Yes. Yes. So good. that's some sound sage advice there from, from you, Kyle. <laughs> yeah. I'm full of good advice. <laughs> there you go. So yeah, if you have any more questions or if you have any more situations where you need the advice of Mr. Kyle Stinson to get out of your predicament, drop us a line at absolute geek podcast at gmail.com. And the email address again is absolute geek podcast at gmail.com with the hide with the um title what would kyle do and we will read your questions and emails on air and get kyle's sage advice for you um i think that's that's it for us tonight again i want to i want to thank brian for joining us and filling in for jose it was a great conversation i think a fantastic show i can't wait we got to get you on more often i Anytime. can't wait to have you on again man Anytime, guys. I really enjoy the, the show. And if, if any of you guys out there get a chance, check out uh, CBSI Presents Tales from the Flip Side and um, CBSI, uh, the community itself. And uh, 
Yeah, go ahead and plug your stuff and tell everyone where they can find your podcast and where yeah. they can find your community and where they can uh, get a hold of you in case they want to get know more about the uh, the flipping game. Oh yes, wait, uh, hold on. Sorry, Jose, you're fucking fired. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, definitely the the best place to go uh, is uh, the CBSI uh, G Plus community. Um, but the best way to check everything out is go to comicbookinvest.com. Um, that is, uh, the webpage you'll find, um, the top 10, uh, we do a, a, a new top 10 every week and, uh, that'll let you know what's go super hot in the spec game. Um, like I said, it's, I consider it the new, uh, wizard for our generation, this internet generation, um, amazing articles. There's always good articles on, uh, the hot books for that week that are coming out Wednesday, the hot variants that are coming out, um, great hidden treasure, um, other cool uh, articles about uh, original art. Um, it also has uh, links to both podcasts that are associated with the CBSI community. Um, you can find those there and a link to the CBSI G plus page. And there's also a link to the forum uh, the forum there is a great place to go and um, create a user and name and show your pickups and and ask questions and uh, you know it's 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 fun and you know it's always worth uh, doing a little homework before you get uh, get start spending money. Yeah, I'll definitely make sure to link to to all of Brian's and um, Tales from the Flipside stuff on the Absolute Geek Facebook page as well as in the comment section below on our YouTube channel. Um, I again just want to thank Brian for taking the time out of his Friday night to join us. Um, and as always, for the Absolute Geek Podcast, I'm Matt. I'm Kyle. I'm Brian. And we will see you next time. <laughs>